Last week, we spent a little bit of time as we were talking about kindness, thinking through John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is where Jesus meets the woman at the well. The disciples go into the village, and they get the food that uh, they needed at that particular moment. And they come back out, and Jesus says to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And uh, just before, he was hungry. And then afterwards, now he's not hungry. And he points to the people who are coming from the village. The woman had gone back in and invited all of the people to come and to meet Jesus. It's really an incredible story, an incredible scene. Jesus in that moment, as in every moment of his life, was driven by divine holy kindness. Last week we defined kindness as the sincere desire for the happiness and the good of others. Jesus desired the good of that woman at the well that day. If you think about her life and the story that Jesus tells of her life, recounting it to her, there's not many others in her life who had been concerned with her good. But on that day, she met a man who was absolutely and totally concerned with her good. Jesus desired the good of the Samaritans who were there in that village in Sychar. On the other hand, the disciples, as we talked about, were were lacking in kindness. They were driven, as most of us often are, by our own selfish desires. They had food on the brain. It didn't occur to them as they went into the town to get food to invite those people to come back out and meet Jesus. They were only concerned with what was going on in their life at the moment. You could say they were kind, but they were only being kind to themselves. It was their own interests that they were looking out for. Now, I don't intend to re-preach the entire sermon from last week, but I did say last week uh, that there's a flip side to kindness, the fruit of kindness. And I don't know if you remember uh, what we said that is, but I'll just give it to you today as we get started. It is goodness. It's, it's not a mistake that these two fruit are side by side in the list because the flip side of the coin of kindness is goodness. If kindness is the sincere desire to seek the happiness and the good of others, goodness is the activity that is calculated to advance that happiness and good in the other person's life. These two work as an unstoppable duo when it comes to sharing the kindness and the goodness of God. They're like a, a great tag team wrestling uh, uh, duo that can accomplish much for the kingdom of God. Further defining goodness, Jerry Bridges writes this. He says, goodness involves the deliberate deeds that are helpful to others. Think about it this way. In John chapter 13, we read about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That Passover night in the upper room, uh, the night that he will be betrayed, the next day he will be crucified, he, he knows what is coming. Jesus, in kindness, noticed that nobody had washed the dirty feet of the disciples and the participants in the room that night. It was a kindness that he recognized it, but it was goodness when he got down on his knees and got his hands dirty serving. 
kindness notices, goodness acts upon what kindness notices. And you remember what Jesus said after he had finished that? Of course, there was some argument back and forth. Peter said, don't you wash my feet? And Jesus said, I've got to wash your feet. And you have that argument. But after he was all done, here's what he said. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. And if I am then your Lord and teacher, and I've washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. Because I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Jesus says, you should be kind to others in the same way that I've been kind to you. You should do good to others in the same way that I have done good for you. And so this morning, we're going to talk about getting our hands dirty with the fruit of goodness. Look with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It is not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now for many of us, we are familiar with verses 8 and 9. From these verses, we've come to understand that our salvation, the eternal life that we have, the hope that Jesus brings to us, is by grace through faith. It's not by works. In other words, my salvation is completely dependent upon Jesus. His work, His life, His death, His resurrection. If it was dependent upon me compiling good works... I wouldn't accomplish anything and I wouldn't get anywhere. I would just simply spin my wheels. Isaiah actually says it this way, take your righteousnesses, all of them, put them together and they're still just dirty rags. We are not saved by our works and our actions. We are only saved by the work of Jesus Christ. He came and he lived the life that none of us could live, a life of perfection. He came and he died the death on the cross, suffering the judgment of God for our sin, a death that none of us would want to die, a hell that none of us want to experience. And we are saved by putting our faith in the grace that is Jesus Christ and his work. That's been the message of this letter. That's what Paul's been writing about to the Galatians. He said, it's not your works. It's not your ability to keep the traditions and the law of Moses and to be circumcised. It's none of those things. It's putting your trust in Christ and Christ alone. But that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that we don't consider doing good works. It doesn't mean we throw all of those things out. As a matter of fact, as we even get into this chapter, in chapter 5 at the beginning of Galatians, not here in Ephesians, but in Galatians, he says that don't use your newfound liberty and freedom for the flesh. Use it for Christ, his kingdom. Use it to do spiritual good. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. But notice again verse 10 here in Ephesians 2. We are his workmanship. We're creating Christ Jesus unto, or you could say, for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to just make a couple of observations. I want a couple things I want you to notice here. First, it's God that created us. Right? We're, we're His children. That's, that's what our, our catechism is lined up with that over the last couple weeks. We're created in His image. We're created by Him. But for what purpose? And, and we, we may need to advance that one step further. We who sit in this room have been recreated by Him. We have new life in Christ, beyond the curse of the law, beyond the curse of sin, we have been created twice, but for what purpose? For good works. To do good. He created you and he saved you so that you might do good here on earth. And Jesus is our example of what doing good looks like and he has equipped us with his own spirit so that we might continue to do the good works that he did while he was here for the 33 years that he was here. He wants us to continue in that work, continue advancing his kingdom. So for those of you who may be here today, and you've struggled in your life to find purpose, you've struggled to find meaning, and you've tried to find it in relationships, you've tried to find it in jobs, You've tried to find it in money. Your purpose, given to you by your creator, is to do good. To do good works to others. Just as it has been with every other aspect of the fruit of the spirit that we've been looking at in doing good, we image God. We, we, we declare to other people who he is and what he is like. He is a God who is good, he is a God who does good. But there is another point, and I've always found this point quite perplexing, and uh, this is in verse 10 as well. It says that God has prepared these good works beforehand. He's prepared good works for us as individuals beforehand that we would walk in them. Before you came to know Christ, according to even Psalm 139, before we were even born, God has prepared particular good things, good works for us to do. He's prepared certain good works for each of us who sit in this room today. That means that your good works are probably not going to be the same as mine. The opportunities you'll have to show kindness and goodness to others will not be the same opportunities that I will have to show kindness and goodness to others. But it's a beautiful thing when God puts uh, a ragtag group of people together from different experiences in life and different circles of influence. And he says, that's my, that's my body. That's my family. And they're acting in different ways. Um, just, just one example, and I don't, I don't mean this to brag in a moment. I, I really want to encourage you to maybe share some of the opportunities you've had to show kindness this week. But we had an opportunity this week to be a blessing to a family. Uh, there was a, a woman who we know through our kids, and she had surgery. And it just gave us a unique opportunity to show kindness by buying a gift card that they could get some food for dinner and be a blessing to their family while she was recovering. Um, none of you know this family, from what I know. Um, Jeremy shared this morning that he's got a, 
a guy that he works with, that they're, they're going to attempt to be a blessing to this family because of an upcoming surgery. I don't know. I don't know Roy. I don't know his family, but Jeremy does. We all have different opportunities, and God has placed us in particular circumstances and situations to do the good works that he's even prepared for us to do beforehand. Notice the word that's used here, particularly in the ESV, it says that we're to walk in them. We're to walk in them. The word walk suggests the common everyday life experiences. It's not the unusual, it's not the heroic. God doesn't want you, you know, waiting on the side of the street to rescue somebody from an oncoming bus that's about to hit him. He, he's not asking you to do that. He's asking you to, in your day-to-day -day life, to look, to listen, to learn, and to love. That's what he's asking you to do in the, the places in which you live. It's in the humdrum of daily living. Most of our opportunities will come Jerry Bridges writes, they'll rise out of the course of our daily lives and the challenge for us is to just simply be alert and to not see them. Please understand this, to not see them as interruptions, inconveniences, but occasions to do good. What opportunities has God afforded you this week to show kindness. I want to hear, if you've had any of those opportunities where you, you have looked, you've listened, you've learned, what are some of those? I'd be encouraged to hear. Yeah, John. I uh, live pretty much a reclusive life. And, uh, so Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And everybody knows who to call if you need a cake last minute. John's Bakery. It's great. Thank you. Anybody else? God gave you some opportunities this week to show kindness and do goodness in the lives of other people. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but it is good for us to think through this. Because here's what typically happens, even in my life, even after I preach a sermon like that, I don't look, I don't listen, I'm not aware of what's going on around me, I'm still so self-focused. We need to begin to look and see those things. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to break down three common areas of life where we can do good. Uh, Jerry Bridges helps with this as well with his Fruitful Life book. And uh, we're going to start with this one. Here's the first category, doing good at work. Doing good at work. And when I say work, I'm talking about where you work vocationally. You're a student. Uh, you work in food services. You're an assistant in an office, uh, customer service, a homemaker who stays at home and works with your kids and within your family. You're a mechanic, whatever. I'm talking about that particular kind of work. Listen to this. The good works... God has prepared for you individually. I'll be encouraged by this. The good works that God has prepared for you individually are consistent with the abilities that he has given you and the circumstances in which he has placed you. I've always loved this quote by William Carey. We, we call him the father of modern missions. 
But he made this simple statement. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Do you recognize, I mean really recognize that your abilities are just that. They are your abilities. They are gifts that God has given to you specifically so that you can do specific good works. Do you recognize that where you work is not an accident? The people that you work around are not an accident. God has purposefully put you there to use your abilities so that you can serve others. Customers, maybe, and even coworkers. And so you shouldn't think of your job, your vocation, as a necessary evil to pay the bills or an opportunity to get rich in life, nor uh, any other thing other than this. It's a primary path. It's a primary path that God has placed in your life so that you can follow Christ. So that you can do good deeds. By offering quality service, and whatever you do, you're doing good to others. You're advancing the goodness of God. So let me ask a few questions here. Does your job lend itself to doing good deeds? Does your job, where you're at, does it lend itself to doing good deeds that God has planned for you? What about your attitude toward your job? Is your focus at work on getting through the day, getting through the week, getting through the year, getting to retirement? Or is it on how can I serve others by meeting their needs today? How can I advance the kindness and the goodness of God by meeting the needs of other people today? Do you view your job as an opportunity to do many of the good deeds God has planned for you by meeting the needs of other people. Now, if you're struggling to see your job as an opportunity to serve and advance the happiness of others, to act in that goodness, then you need to cultivate greater goodness in your life. You need the Spirit of God to advance that fruit of goodness in your life. You need to change your way of thinking, renewing your mind, thinking about even what Paul writes in Colossians, that whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Stop thinking of yourself. Start thinking of others. Stop serving yourself. Start serving others. Pray before you walk into that office, before you clock in, that the Spirit would help you this day to be concerned with the goodness and the good of others rather than yourself. The opposite of kindness and goodness is selfishness. Instead of looking to the interest of others, I'm looking to the interest of me. But getting back to understanding, I'm called to do good right here where God has placed me. Let's talk about this one too, doing good at home. It's not just doing good at work, it's doing good at home. Scripture teaches us that a priority in the life of every follower of Jesus is, is your home. As a matter of fact, Paul writes to Timothy that if anyone doesn't provide for his relatives, anyone does not focus and do good for the people that are in his home, he's worse than an unbeliever. He's acting in sin. 
So we might be out doing all sorts of good things, and this, this can often happen in our lives. We're, we're advancing the good of people in our company, customers that we're serving, but we're neglecting the good of the people that God has placed around us and entrusted us to share our lives with and advance the fruit of goodness. And so how are you practicing the fruit of goodness in your home? Husbands, are you meeting the needs of your wives? Wives, how are you meeting the needs of your husbands? Children, how are you meeting the needs of your parents? What ways are you serving your family? How are you promoting the happiness of others in your home? And here again, the rub comes back to our selfishness. We enter our home so consumed with thoughts about us. Our problems, our plans that we fail to see the needs that exist in others around us. That has to change as we grow in goodness. If we grow in goodness, like Jesus, we'll start getting our hands dirty. We'll start noticing that some feet need washed. I need to help more washing our dog's feet after he comes in. Makes me so mad. <laughs> you guys know my, my love for my dog. Yep. <laughs> Taking out the trash. Cleaning up a mess that somebody else made. Husbands, it may be us getting off the couch. Kids purposefully asking your parents, is there something I can do today? Is there some way that I can serve? Is there some chore that I can accomplish? I mean, if you're here, I'm speaking to our kids here whether you're th Thrive Age all the way down, whether you're sitting in here, if you're here and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, and you say, that's what, I want to follow Christ, that's the kind of stuff he did. He, he went out of his way to sacrifice and give of himself to serve other people. Find ways in your home to serve your parents. Husbands, wives, it's, it's the grace of goodness that means you're meeting each other's uh, spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs that exist in your relationship. I'll pick on the husbands for a moment because we usually have some growing to do in this area. Do your kids ever see you doing dishes, mopping floors? Do you set for them an example like Christ sets? For us of what it is to, to model kindness and goodness for your own kids. Show them. And one final point that I have to make here before we move off of this one, because I've talked a lot about chores. Goodness doesn't serve with a bad attitude. Right? Goodness is driven by kindness. And kindness is, is, is connected to all the other fruit here. They're all together. I, I'm joyful about advancing the goodness of somebody else. I'm joyful about serving other people. Jesus did not get down on his hands and feet and go, oh man, here we go again. You know, slam the towel down, get down there and mope from one disciple to the other. He was, he was filled with joy. Scripture even tells us that it was with joy that he went to the cross. There was joy set before him. It was driven by kindness and goodness. So what will you do to grow in the grace of goodness in your home? What commitments will you make? Will you pray for the Spirit to show you new opportunities, ways that you can serve 
and advance the happiness and do good. Third area, third and final. Doing good to all people. We gotta do good in our jobs, we gotta do good in our homes, but there is a big old world out there full of people who have significant needs. There's no shortage of those. And I just wanna, I wanna slide in here on this point that we have needs right here. The people around you, the people that are part of this family with you, they have particular needs. We need to be practicing goodness right here in our own fellowship, in our ministries, in our community. We need you to use your uh, spiritual gifts to advance the good of this body. My, my prayer this week as I've been thinking about kindness and what we talked about last week is that, that anyone who came in here today will be overwhelmed with the kindness of a fellow church member who comes and encourages them, comes and prays with them, comes and offers them just some counsel through a difficult set of circumstances. That should be one of our goals every week. We shouldn't come in here empty-headed. Empty we should come in here with a plan. Who can I encourage today? Who can I show kindness to? Who can I show goodness to? Just as we move into our homes, just as we move into our jobs with that attitude, we should be moved into our church gatherings with the same attitude. But let's look beyond the church. Let's look into our community, our country, all around the world. What needs do you see? That was the question we put out there last week. What do you see going on? Where are we falling short? I haven't even looked. I, I sent out a survey. I, I put an email out last week, and I've texted, I think, a couple times. I'll do that again because... I need to know what you see. We need to think through these questions. We need to think through where are people going unnoticed in our community? Is there hunger? Is there homelessness? Is there unemployment? Are there relationship struggles, depression, suicide? What are some of these issues that are prevalent in our community that, that nobody is acting in kindness and goodness towards them? Nobody's looking out for the the happiness and the fulfillment of these people. But even in doing those good things, even in meeting needs that we, we continue to meet, we strive to meet, we cannot forget that the greatest need is salvation. The greatest act of kindness and goodness wasn't that Jesus healed some blind eyes, uh, made the deaf hear, it said he offered his life so that we might have new life. He sacrificed himself so that we might be delivered from sin, so that we might know the peace of God, so that we might live with him in all eternity. This world needs Jesus, and the greatest good we can do is to share Jesus with them, to take God's word and open it and show them what Christ has done for them. We want to offer a cup of water, but we want to do it in the name of Jesus. We want to support a feeding center in Fiji, but we want to make sure that, that as they receive their food, they're also hearing the message of Jesus. And that the food's provided by people who love Jesus 
and want them to know him. We want to give cans of fruit to the needy in our community every Christmas. We want to send money to our missionaries to help them in their particular service and just be a blessing to their families. But we want to do all of that in the name of Jesus. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 25. One last text. Matthew 25, verse 31. Jesus here is describing the final judgment. And he says this, Matthew 25, 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And notice this statement, for I was hungry. It's the king speaking. The king says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Well, when was the king those things? Notice verse 37, the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and we fed you or, or thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and we welcomed you or naked and we clothed you? And, and when did we see you sick or you in prison and we visited you? When did that happen? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers. You did it for me. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you gave no clothes to me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked or sick or in prison? and not minister to you. And he will answer them and say, truly, truly, I say to you, listen to this, Jesus says, as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How important are good deeds done to the least of these according to Jesus. Very important. Just because we believe that we are, and we believe and rejoice in the truth that we are saved by grace through faith, that does in no way excuse us from showing kindness and goodness to the people we work with to the people in our homes and to the complete strangers that God brings into our lives. We're called to shine His light through our good works. Four things I want to give you. 
Consider your gifts, your talents, your vocation, your circumstances. I appreciate what Jason said. For years, he just had the mindset, I did this. I've, I've gained these skills. I've brought myself to this point. No, consider what God has gifted you to do. God has entrusted those things to you. He's given you those abilities so that you might use them to serve Him by serving others. Two, remember that most opportunities to do good will come across in the ordinary of life. Most opportunities to do good will come across the ordinary path of our day. So look up, look around, listen, listen, and then love. We've got to be more aware. Number three, accept the cost of good deeds. It's going to cost you in time. It's going to cost you in thought. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you money, your resources. But remember that opportunities for doing good, they're not interruptions. Right? I mean, it's not, oh, oh, well, God wouldn't want me to do that because I'm doing this. No, he, he places those interruptions in front of you. They're not interruptions to his plan. We always have time to do what God wants us to do. Always. Four. Prayerfully acknowledge your need for God's grace to enlarge your heart, to enable you to look beyond yourself and to see the needs of other people. Would you bow with me? Start there. Start on point four. Acknowledge right now, just during this opportunity, God, I need your spirit to help me see beyond me. To help me look, to help me listen, to help me learn, to help me love. I want to give you a moment to pray. Maybe there's some commitments you need to make. Maybe the Spirit is freshly convicting you in one of these areas of life. And you need to repent. You need to turn from your attitude and surrender yourself to let the Spirit produce this fruit of kindness and goodness in you. I'll give you some time to pray. Father, help us to be good as you are good. The goodness that you've shown us, uh, we have not yet been able to measure the limits. You who did not spare your own son, but you have freely given up, given us everything that we need. You are good. And we who sit here today have experienced, we know your goodness. Compel us. To show that goodness. To our customers. 
to our co-workers, to our spouses, our kids, our parents, aunts and uncles, to our fellow church members. to acquaintances, to strangers alike. Spirit, I pray that you would, in vibrant color, help us begin to see these opportunities you have put in front of us to do good works. And help us to not miss that greatest opportunity as I so often do. To share Jesus as those good works are accomplished. Letting them know that, that there's one who loves them far greater than I do. Letting them know that, that it's not me who's doing these good things, it's Christ in me. Help us, God, in this endeavor. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I got three initiatives, three challenges that I, I want to issue to you today before uh, Josh comes and, and closes us out in prayer. Share the good news, share the hope of Jesus with one person every week. Make that your goal. Find somebody to share that good news with every week. It's the greatest kindness and goodness we can do. Two, every day, every day commit to offering a word of encouragement, a word of goodness to, to somebody in your home, to somebody in the church, to, to a customer, a coworker. but every day commit to, to purposefully speaking those words of encouragement. And then finally, pray every day before work, school, dealing with kids, whatever it is you do, that, that you would have a heart to serve other people, that the Spirit would prove in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And as we'll talk about next week, faithfulness and gentleness then and self-control. So those are the three things that I want to encourage you. Just leave here today with those goals in mind as we move into this new week.